Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first episode of the Big Honker Podcast, and this is your co-host, Andy Shaver. And on behalf of Jeff Stanfield and I, I just want to say thank you for tuning in, and we hope that you enjoy this podcast. Um, we got a lot of cool things coming with this show, a lot of interesting topics and a lot of interesting guests that, uh, that are going to come on and, and kind of give you uh, the ins and outs of the waterfowl industry and, and discuss this, this sport that we all, that we all love so much. So, uh, anyway, on this episode of the podcast, we have, uh, I guess you can call him a special guest. He's my little brother, Zach Shaver, and he works alongside me as a guide here at Stanford Hunting Outfitters. And we've, we've been hunting together a long time since we were kids. So, uh, on this episode, we just kind of talk about the, uh, the season that was and kind of the, the weird warm winter that we had and kind of a screwy migration. So we go into a lot of that. And then we also give you some scouting tips that, uh, that you can take on your next scouting excursion. And anyway, we just wanted to say thank you and we hope that you enjoy. podcast i'm jeff stanfield live from knox city texas home of stanfield hunting outfitters and i'm with my boys andy shaver and zach shaver say hi guys this is andy shaver the uh head guide at stanfield hunting outfitters uh you know contrary to whatever you hear in this in this podcast and the ensuing ones i uh i've taught this little Young whippersnapper across from me, my little brother Zach. I've taught him everything that he knows, and I'm proud to have, and I'm proud that he hunts with me as much as he does, uh, even though he calls me a nerve-wracking bastard. And hey, everybody, it's Zach here. Uh, don't listen to anything Andy just said. I do have the 2017-2018 uh, high bird average on the season, so uh, numbers don't lie. He's only got that because Jeff felt sorry for him, and he knew that if there was anybody that could turn chicken shit into chicken salad, it would be this guy. Put him on a cold field. He can make things happen. Zach and old Blake Poppy, P-O-P-P-E, pronounced Poppy for you ladies' pleasure, uh, they got stuck on the, on the X every morning, so, you know. What are you going to do? So you, so you think that I let Blake and Zach hunt the better field most of the time? That is affirmative. 110%. Undeniable. Well, now, why would I do that? Because they, cause they get all bitchy whenever you get two or three bad hunts, and and Zach's ready to cut, a, cut his wrist with a dull razor blade. And I, Blake, you know, he's just... Blake is one of the most upbeat guys, but whenever he was about to, he, whenever he was getting ready to take her on the chin, he could barely eat the night before. Didn't say a word. I don't remember Blake ever not eating. Maybe he did. He, maybe he didn't skip a meal, but he he was definitely not happy. He he stress ate. <laughs> yeah, he did yeah, a lot of. He's that. a he's a stress eater. <laughs> Poor Blake's a stress eater. 
and uh, with no rain in the last two years, it's easy to be a stress eater. Uh, so, so uh, thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, what our goal here is we've we've been in the hunting industry the last twenty five years. We have seen things at their absolute best, and we have seen things at their uh, lowest point. So we have we we've been around the block. We've got a lot of experience between us. Uh, you know, Jeff, how long have you been hunting? Been hunting? Hunting. Well, I'm 50 years old, and my dad took me in my first waterfowl hunt when I was seven. So that's 43 years. And I've been in the waterfowl hunting business. I think this will be my 27th year. And I have not I have not worked for anybody but myself for 25 years. Okay, hold on. I'm doing math here. So you started hunting when you were seven. So that's 43 years. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got 20 years. How long? That's you've 63. Got, you've got 20 years on you. You got seventy-five years of experience here talking to That's you. That's eighty-three years, Andy. Oh, you're not much of a math guy, are you? No, that is eighty-three. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, you've got a lot of years of experience talking to you here. So our goal with this podcast, uh, we hope we hope to bring you some uh, maybe tips and techniques that we might do. We hope to uh, you know kind of clue you in on some maybe different situations you might run into. But we're going to talk everything, everything hunting, from waterfowl hunting, turkey hunting, dove hunting. Uh, if you can, if you can shoot it, probably not. Probably won't talk about much nail guy hunting. We don't know much or deer. You know, there, there, there's enough of that. I, I've never understood that. You hunt sixty days and you shoot one time. If 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 you're if you're shooting a deer, I'd rather go out every morning and shoot a box of shells. The the deer hunting deal, I don't. I'm not a big game hunter either, and I I I think it would be nice to shoot a bear, but I don't. It's not really a go to Canada to hunt for five days to shoot one time. Also, doesn't sound like much fun. And I think that's why bird hunting is more appealing to people, and it's cheaper. My gosh, shoot a big nice buck. I mean, if you're going to shoot it, if you want a deer hunt and you want to do it right in Texas, now up, up north they have public land, but in Texas you're going to drop five to ten thousand dollars to shoot, like you said, one time for the season. And it just, it's not appealing to me. A lot of people like it. And, we, and we'll talk about all kinds of hunting on this, but mostly it's going to be bird hunting. We'll talk fishing, golf, skiing, everything. Fantasy football. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to have a big fantasy football deal. Good. How was your fantasy football team this year, Zach? Well, how did it go? I, I don't remember. You didn't make the playoffs. You made the second. I made but, the second bracket. But so yeah. did Andy. So did Andy, yeah. Andy won the second bracket. Did you this year? Did you win the second one? <laughs> this, this is our this is our first podcast. Bracket. I've got these headphones in so that I can I can hear uh, the levels and stuff, and it has just it has just ate my lunch all day. Uh, you had Carson Wentz, Zach. You went you went the way Carson Wentz did. Yep, yep. So if if Carson doesn't get hurt, it's a different ball game for me. I'd probably still been in the second bracket, but I would have took it for sure. Now, Andy, who talks the most crap about fantasy football in the big honker league that we have? Andy. There you go. And who has? I don't know why because he's he's never won. He's never in the running. Neither are you. No. I win in silence and I lose in silence. I won. There ain't nothing silent about what you do. I won the championship. I didn't go around talking. Shit. I didn't. He won the money and. He's like, oh, don't worry, Andy. I'll I'll pay your entry fee and all this other stuff. Hate to see you lose. It's just pity money was all it was. Well, then you can go ahead and pay me. That that money's already been spent. 
Well, let's talk about hunting a little bit. What would you consider on a scale of one to ten this year's hunting season? Starting in with November. Let's start with November. Okay. Dove and tilled hunting don't count. I'll let Zach take this one first. Let's start with November. What would you consider on a one to ten? What was November? Can you remember November? What, what was November? What would, would you consider the hunting in November on a scale of one to ten? Uh, November. I'll give it a, a seven. A seven. I'm going eight and a half to a nine. Yes, November was really good. We had a lot of early birds this year. We had birds show up the first of October. We shot we shot uh we shot limits with our boy Falks like three days in a row. Yeah, there were a lot of tough days in November too. Er, early November was rough. You're just shooting specs. That's boring to me. No, we shot the first day the first day we hunted over we had a great hunt. First day was all first day was all specs, but I mean we shot a limit of specs. About we shot twenty birds. Week. First week, week and a half was all specs. Probably two weeks. We're shooting a limit. December, solid three. Three. Uh, From until the week of Thanksgiving or Christmas, it was tough. No I, winter. There, there were peaks and valleys. There were peaks and valleys in December for sure. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna go five. I'm gonna say five. The wine boys shot three limits in three days in a row. Yep. We started off strong. <laughs> Had a brief, uh, you know, had a had a had a good. We hunt in Texas and in Oklahoma. Oklahoma has a split, so it is it's closed from December first to what December like eighth, tenth, something like that. Looking for confirmation here, guys. Yes, I'm sorry. December eighth, we start. Uh, everybody is on Facebook now. No. Um. So yeah, I, I, you know, we started out strong, had three good hunts in the bag, and then. The birds just, uh, 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 they, I don't know if they vacated. I guess they did. We couldn't, they just, they were gone. Went back to Kansas or Nebraska. We couldn't find them. Went to Kansas or Nebraska. And then, then the two days before Christmas when we, we shut down, we had that first major front hit and we slammed them for two days in a row. Then we left for Christmas and came back. And from then on, it was pretty good. The week after Christmas was really good this year. I was still down in Texas shooting shooting specs. When? Right after Christmas, when you and Blake were up in Oklahoma shooting them up. So, uh, one thing that's important to us, you know, Jeff Jeff's been doing this uh, for, for the last twenty five years professionally. Um, weather patterns is kind of what we want to talk about on this one uh, in particular. Um, do you think? You know, we, we had such – we had a cold – we had a cool October, had early birds, had, had a bunch of speckle bellies here, Halloween. Halloween was freezing. My poor three-year-old and Zach's poor – she was three also at the time. Still is. Still is. <laughs> They're all still three. Um, they froze to death almost in the, in the back of when we, were, when we took them trick-or-treating. And then November – was November very cold? I don't remember. November was fairly mild, but we had already had, we already had our birds here. So, do you think that when things, when temperature heats up, do you think that geese are becoming more like ducks and kind of, kind of riding that that cold wave? Maybe I don't know frost line. We'll say. Do you think they're riding that frost line, or do you think uh, you think something else is driving them out? I think the birds are just getting acclimated to being where it's cold. They bounce back and forth where the geese used to not. Uh, 20, 25 years ago, once we got our geese, our geese stayed here. 
I mean, if we had 100,000 geese here by November 4th, at Thanksgiving, we still had 100,000 geese. If we've had another front, we maybe have 150 or 200,000 geese. But once they got here, they stayed here until they started leaving in January. Now, we'll, we'll, we'll have a big push of birds. Canada inspects both, and then we'll start losing birds when it warms up again. We get southwest wind two or three days in a row, they blow. And I, I think a lot of that's because there's no snow covering the food up north. You can go up north and get just as, you know, you, you can hunt in North Dakota in November and the water's open, and, and you can do that in Texas, and the birds are just staying up north as far as possible. But do you think that – so are birds changing? Because you said once once the birds got here 25 years ago, they were here for good. So do you think that they're changing? Or, I mean, and then you also said that, that you know, snow has a factor. I, I think the birds have changed. I think that we're seeing a, 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 a goose – especially is adaptable. Look in the big cities. 25 years ago, you didn't see big cities had a lot of big geese in them. Wichita Falls now has a couple thousand resident graders. Uh, Oklahoma City's covered with resident geese. Tulsa, uh, Wichita, Kansas, all those big cities. I'm talking about the birds that are in our flyway. All the big towns all have big flocks of birds now, and they used to not have that. And I think a lot of that has to do the birds have birds have changed and and the weather's changed. It's, we don't have snow no more. Well, and technology. Like, you know, now now we've got the ice eater. Everybody's got an ice eater now. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to sound this way because it is <clears> – <throat> if I was up north, I would definitely have one because it prolongs your season. But um, for somebody down here that, that hunts kind of at the end of the flyway, in my opinion, the uh, the ice eater has really, has really changed things because it's keeping water open. Um and then when you pair that with the fact that you don't get enough snow and you, you aren't covering up the bird's food, uh, so they've got open food and now they've got open water, it's kind of a recipe for disaster in my mind there, young Zachary. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. I mean, if the, if the birds have everything they need there to survive, I mean, why would, why would I? I mean, I wouldn't want to fly a thousand miles. I'd hang out right there, man. Not go any further than, than than need be for sure, and and as soon as it warmed up, yeah, I'd, I'd go back. And I I don't know if that has something to do with maybe the birds are already thinking about the migration back north, like they don't they don't want to travel as far south because then they know they're going to turn around, you know, in a month or two months, whatever, and and make that flight again or or what it is. But I think that I think that is uh, important, like. So as we were talking earlier, October was cold. We got a lot of early birds here, and then it kind of warmed up in in November and December, and then we really didn't have a major cold front until after Christmas. And I think by that time, I think the birds just kind of had the mindset of, let me just hunker down where I'm at and ride this out for two weeks, and then that'll get me to mid-January. And you get to about 15th or 20th of January, and, and birds are, I, in my mind, I think they're thinking about their – their trip home. Once some days get, start getting longer, then birds start going wanting to go back up north. I mean, that's, I think that's pretty common. And we're starting to see – we're seeing more winter now than we've seen all year long. I mean, it's the end of March, and they had a big snowstorm in Nebraska and the Dakotas just, just today. And it's not that way. I mean, I'm sure there's always been winter in March, but there used to be October and November snowstorms, and you don't hear about that no more. You don't hear about nobody up there owning snow machines anymore. No, the uh, my wife and my wife and I and our, our son went skiing in February, and all the snow there was manufactured. So it was it was all 
It was all man-made. I keep waiting for this mini ice age they keep talking about all the time. It ain't showed up yet. Are you ready for a mini ice age? Yeah, it'll probably uh, be this year since my wedding's November 3rd. <laughs> we'll, ha- we'll have an early winter. We'll, ha- we'll have six inches of snow on the ground November 3rd. You mark it down on your calendar. You're here in this, uh, you know, April, November 3rd. It's going to be cold, cold weather. That'd be opening weekend of deer season. be a lot of happy people. Are y'all having an outdoor wedding or what are y'all doing? A, a tent wedding. So, yeah, essentially outdoor. Essentially an outdoor wedding. We tried to do that. My wife and I tried to do that. In 2011, Texas had one of the worst droughts in history, and we got married in October of 2011. I'm not going to say the date because my wife is looking at me, and I can't come up with that number off the top of my head. I want to say the 8th. Anyway, rained four inches on our wedding day. It's supposed to be good luck. So Maybe I need to renew your vows. So congratulations, Zach. You're going to have crappy weather. We we can bring the heaters in if if need be. My fiance sitting here looking at me, giving me the green light on the heaters. No heaters. We're gonna be burning heaters. You heard it here first. We're gonna be burning heaters on November third. Zach's gonna look so hot up there getting married. She ain't care about no heaters. So let's uh, like I said earlier, we want you guys and gals, if you're list, you know that are listening. Uh, we want this to be fun for y'all but we also want we also want you to kind of take away something that you can that you can use in this upcoming season and one of the most important things if not the most important thing uh for your success in the field is scouting so zachary jeff is our jeff is our expert scouter here at stanfield but when you have to scout what is some what's what's the one thing that you look for uh, in a good field? Well, the number of birds is, is the first thing. Uh, aside from that, I like to get there, you know, I like to have an idea where I'm going first off. So get there, figure out how the birds are coming off. You know, are they coming off in flocks of 10 to 15, you know, up to 100? Are they coming off in one big wave? Are they coming off in two big waves? Because that's super important. I mean, you take 12 guys out there and then you get, get one crack at them and that's it i mean that that makes for a long morning waiting for that second flight that's not going to ever come so that's that's one or two of the deals i guess and then and then third i like to know how far i am from the roost you know if i'm within a half mile or so say and i have you know a hard south wind when the roost is north of me am i going to blow the roost that first volley so those are all things to take into consideration so uh you know, we've all got our quirks, and some people, some people will say that I'm not the fastest in the uh, in the spread, and maybe I take my time putting my putting my bibs on. I think that's exactly what they say. But I can tell you from scouting with this guy for so many years, he will drive you up a wall scouting. Are you talking about me? Yes, young Zachary. Amen. And, and even Jeff would attest to this. Oh, God, I hate scouting when Zach's hunting in the field. And I don't even want to take his calls. I need to block his calls. Do, do you uh, – so a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll do a morning hunt and an afternoon duck hunt here. And, and when Zach is on an afternoon duck hunt and he doesn't get to scout, talk about that, Jeff. Ta- take us into the truck. Okay. So I leave about 3.30, 3 o'clock, depending on what time the weather is or what the weather's like. If it's a hot, clear day, it's later. If it's 
cold and overcast. And I like to go and do my scout and get done scouting and get back and watch the afternoon duck hunts, the field hunts. I enjoy that. So I try to get my scouting done. Well, I, I usually have not even left the house yet. And Zach's texting me, what do you found for tomorrow? That is true. And then I get five miles down the road. It's getting, well, what are you seeing? Well, what's it going to be like? Well, <laughs> well, can you send me a picture of it? Can you record it? Let me know what's going on down there. I, I just like to mentally prepare myself for the for the next morning, so that's all. Well, while you're mentally prepared, I'm mentally drained from you. It's absolutely horrific. I'm not sure there's that scout, so I don't have to listen to him. Do you ever lie to it? Well, I think he, isn't he just terrible in the vehicle also? No, I don't like to scout ride with him either. Well, that depends if there's a hot field or not we have. <laughs> Zach is a pain in the ass when you're, when you're scouting to scout with him or him to not be there scouting. I, I, it's not enjoyable at all. And it's and, and then if you got two groups, it's the constant debate of politic and on who's going to get the hotter of the two fields. It's that old that old adage that I used to get from Danny O'Dell. <sighs> Jeff, these are the kind of guys we really need to get on a good hunt. I've never had a client I didn't want to get on a good hunt. Didn't you bring up uh, bird <laughs> bird averages? You just heard it right there. He said he's going to ensure that you don't have to have a, that you don't have to take it on the chin. So I never said that. I that, said no, that's that's exactly what he said. He said I want to make sure that Zach and Blake, since they're doing all this mental preparation, twenty four hours before, twelve hours before, that they don't have a bad one. No, I said that. I get that old adage of I need these are the kind of guys we need to get on a good hunt. I never said Zach and Blake, everybody. Uh, you're guilty of it too. Y'all are both back there politicking. No. Yes, sir. I don't see you ever signing up to go on a cold field and take one on the chin. Jeff knows that, like I said earlier, if there is a soul alive that has to turn chicken shit into chicken salad, it's going to be this guy here. At Andy underscore Shaver is my Instagram account. Go follow me. Me and Jeff are in a little, a little competition, and he's beating me. He's got more followers than me. So. Oh, that's at Jeff Stanfield or Jay. Excuse me, at Jay. He, he doesn't even. He doesn't even know his handle. Sixty eight at iCloud.com. No, that's my email. God damn it. See? H, at Jay Stanfield sixty eight. He doesn't know. On Instagram. Follow me. Look up. He's using my pictures anyway, so just get it from me first. Well, we're gonna throw our name in the hat for followers. Mine's a Z dot shave nine. Shave? Yeah, shave, not shaver. Anyways, other than us Sorry. pushing our Instagram accounts here, let, let, let's let's talk about. You talked about scouting. Well, I mean, you know, there that I mean that can be a, a two hour two hour thing. No, no, I um, want to get off scouting and go to something else. You want to get off scouting? That's what that's what you're good at. I'm a good scouter. So I mean, why are you wanting to move off of that? Well, I don't want to talk about me. Well. <laughs> His poor dog doesn't wag his own tail. Jeff, what do you look for whenever you're scouting? Is it more – if you have, say, 3,000 birds using a field, but you know they're going to come in, in two big waves, what do you do? I hope I find someplace else to hunt. So you're not going to hunt that field. It's got 3,000 birds in it. Oh, well, a lot of times in the mornings, the birds will break up more than they will in the afternoons. So hopefully they will – it's hard to turn down a hot field to hunt, but we have done it before. And and we well, there's some variables that play into it. A ch- front fronts always seem to hit the middle of the night, anyways. It don't seem like we ever get a front that hits at two o'clock in the afternoon where we get to use that for the next day. So you got to play your your, your wind. You got to play rain, wet, dry makes a big difference in scouting and what we're going to do the next day. I try to scout in the morning and be prepared for the evening to know where I'm going to go, anyways. And you guys will test it most times. 
we we have our field that we know we're going to hunt that morning before that afternoon. But we did have some days this year where we hit them at the, we hit a home run in the le, in the eleventh hour. Yeah, the we'd be racing the sun more than not. It seemed like this season and end up somehow or another on the X, but it made for some very, very stressful evenings in the pickup, to say the least. Especially with Zach riding with us. But I love the attitude, the want to kill, the want to do. I, I like that, but gosh, I'm mighty he can wear you It comes out. from a good place. I mean, yes. He, you know, it comes from a good place. When there's four guys in a vehicle and everybody's stressed out over the same things, it's not always fun. That's the side of the hunting business that people don't see. Your clients, they have no clue that you stressed all day or, the, you know, that you were nervous or they think everything's a bowl of cherries every day. And it's not. Yeah, they, they, they show up expecting to shoot a limit. And, you know, behind the scenes, we're scrambling around trying to pull a, a rabbit out of a hat. And, you know, most of the time it works. Sometimes, eh, not so much. And every outfitter does the same thing because all my friends that are outfitters and stuff, you, I hear this. I talk to them a lot. And I, I have lots of them will call me at 4.30 in the afternoon. They're like, oh, God, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do tomorrow. And I've been there, too. We all have been there. If you hunt a lot. Put it this way, if you hunt with an outfitter and he tells you he's never not shoot a lim- shot a limit, he's lying. So I'm going to go with the fa- – oh, if, if they don't hunt a lot, they haven't ever had a bad hunt. So that's part of it. And everybody scrambles on the hunting, on, on the scouting end of it. That's the toughest part of the hunting business sometimes. So how do you choose? I mean, because they're – you know, how do you – we hunt in an area that has a high concentration of birds in it. How do you choose – how do you pick one field over the other if everything's equal, about the same amount of birds in both? Um, how would how do you take take us through the thought process of how you would choose one field over the other with everything being fairly equal? Well, I'm first thing I'm gonna look at is, you know, when's the last time this field was hunted or this field? You know, whichever field is hadn't had as much pressure on it, you know, or which fields had the birds in it the longest. That That's kind of what I'm going to look for first and second. And then say, you know, those are both eagles. They're both hot fields. Hadn't been touched. You know, birds been in it for a week. Then I'm going to start thinking, you know, okay, which, which fields are going to be best for what wind I have tomorrow? Or which field has the best hide? Just, just things like that. You know, small details. Small details are going to make your hunt, you know, hide, wind, all that all that's super important so uh it's not just having the birds in your field there's there's plenty of other factors that that come to play to make a great hunt so you so you could talk about you know you could be looking at two different fields that have 3000 birds in it and maybe the wind's not the right the right direction the next day for one field or the other so jeff you are the el capitan of this little enterprise that we've got here uh how do you choose? Because there's a lot of times that we might be duck hunting in the afternoon and can't look at a field. So how do you, uh, how will you make that decision? A lot of, sometimes it depends on if the birds have been hunted at all. Sometimes you've got birds that have been in a field one night and you've got birds that have been in a field. A lot of times I'll see a field that's got a, a small, a, a, not a, a hot hunt, a thousand birds maybe on it. And I'll watch them for a day or two, and they keep adding birds to them. And I'll think, you know, that's going to be a pretty good hunt. There may only be 2,000 birds in it, but it's, it should be a really good hunt. And then some days – and it depends on your group size. You know, if you got a, a group of six guys, you got a group of ten guys, that plays a factor. Uh, like I said, the, the weather conditions are going to play a factor. And you have to put all that into it. Food – or not food, weather, 
how long the birds have been in a field. The birds getting a lot of pressure. Um, is some jackass going to be uh, shooting traffic next to you and screw it up because they don't have nowhere to hunt? I mean, all that plays a factor into it. And and so you got to sometimes make a decision on what you want to do. And a lot of it just comes down to been doing it for a long time and experience. And sometimes I'm wrong. How, how often is that? Well, I, I don't know. Not a lot, but I am wrong sometimes. I mean, I've made wrong decisions on fields a lot. A lot of time, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I do. It, do it every year. I make a wrong decision, but not. it doesn't happen very often. So um, if you had to gauge importance, what, what would be – uh, are you more worried about the flight line or are you more, are you more worried about just the sheer number of birds that are in your field? Well, I would much rather have a flight line. I'd rather hunt a flight line with a lot of traffic and, and then hunt a field that's got a few birds in it, not much traffic. I mean, I've seen, I've date, we've had, we all have been there when we had days that we hunted the hot field, but the traffic, Ended up going a half mile or a mile away and didn't use in big trouble. So wouldn't you rather be in the traffic line, flat? I'd rather be, I'd rather be in the flight line because I feel like even if the birds aren't using that field, I feel like I got a shot at least if I'm if I'm under them. I think with a Canada geese, if you've got a flight line and you've got wind, you're going to kill birds. Yeah, I was about to say the same. You know, Canadas are you can you can kill them if you get underneath them. Specs, it seems they got their their mind made up before they even open their eyes and, and that's what they're doing. So that's just my opinion. I don't know. Some, some people may disagree. So, uh, you know, this is going to be something that we're going to try to try to release every week. Uh, it's going to be me and Jeff most of the time. So Zach is more of a, uh, of a special guest. And while I've got you here, I've got one important question that, uh, you know, there's there's no right or wrong answer here, but it's something that that's very serious, and it's something that most of us encounter. What, in your opinion, the air conditioner just kicked on. I don't know if you can hear it or not. What is your what in your opinion is the best way to go number two in the field? That that's a very very important issue. Probably the most important issue we'll cover in this whole podcast. Because yeah, if you're like us, we, we drink a lot of coffee. And, and a lot of times, I tend to not roll out of bed till 15 minutes before I got to be hitting the road. So get dressed, make my coffee. Well, I get that first cup in me out there in the field, and, it, and it's time to go. So I'm looking for anything good to lean up against, be it hay bales. Uh, pivot, pivot heads make a nice place to, to do it. And uh, if all else fails, uh, whenever I go park, Lean right up between the back of the pickup and the tongue of the trailer, and uh, that's a good place. That's a real good place. You, you know how many times it I get you out of the wind. How many times I pulled up in the field in the morning and there's to- toilet paper blowing right there by where the cars are parked. I try to I try to bury my toilet paper <laughs> if at all possible. I, I carry a, a special. It's my shit shovel. Carry <laughs> it in the back of the truck, and I'm like Zach. If I got to do it, I'm going to go in between the uh, truck and the trailer, do what I got to do, and and move on. So. Uh, you know, that's something that I'm surprised that you haven't invented yet there, Zachary. A, a nice way of, of doing number two out into the field. Well, I've, I've seen these these hitches that have toilet seats on them, but that nice. yeah, that wouldn't be real economical for us. Cause then you have to unhook your trailer, uh, do all this, or just be like, hey, client, I need to borrow your receiver hitch while I take a poop. 
Hey, let, let me tell you a story. Ron, <laughs> they'd be, they'd be like, yeah, just go ahead and take a shit on my car. Ron, Ron had a, well, growing up, Ron's my dad. My dad had a toilet seat that was on a, a, a like a TV tray deal that you pulled out, and you popped it down, and you take a shit on it. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. But, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it's something that everybody encounters. So you're not above taking a dump in the field. You're not just going to clench your ass cheeks together and, and wait for the end of the hunt. If you got to go, you're going to do it in the field. Is what I'm is what I'm gathering. Oh yeah, that, absolutely. So, uh, it, and it doesn't matter. It can be three degrees outside. When you got to do it, you got to do it. You know, there's been days where it it's frozen before it even hits the ground, and and you know what are you, <laughs> what are you going to do? So, I'm not going to hurt all day. No. There, there, there's a whole lot of calling and flagging and moving that we got to do to uh, to kill the bird. So. I don't think you can. I don't think you can hold it all day for sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm same way. I gotta take a dump, and then we're just gonna have to do it. Well, let's end this first podcast on a on a, on a story about taking a crap. So, anyways, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. I hope you'll tune in to us. Keep up with us at the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield, one of the hosts, and I appreciate you listening in. And God bless you. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're gonna, like I said. Uh, we want to make this fun and informative, and we are uh, we're going to do the best that we can. Hopefully, it's fun for you to listen to. And uh, this is Andy Shaver. My Instagram account is at Andy underscore Shaver. S H A V E R. Go follow me so that I can beat these two shitheads. And have them follow at Stanfield Hunting. That's secondary, but <laughs> at Andy <laughs> underscore Shaver. And I'm special guest, Zach Shaver. Though I won't be on the show uh, every time, I, I'm sure I'll frequent it pretty often. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot them to our uh, direct messages on Instagram or Facebook page. And uh, these are some things that, that can be covered throughout the show. So thank you. <laughs>